Hey honeys, this is your host Marissa. Welcome to the Honey Health and Wellness Podcast. Get ready to unlock your full potential as I dive into all things health, wellness, spirituality, and self-development. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm really excited today. I've actually wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time, Janet, because we've been working for a mm-hmm. long time together. Um, so Janet is a holistic nutritionist or my holistic nutritionist um, that I've been working mm-hmm. with. Um, she's yeah. also an emotional healing facilitator. Um, she works um, with somatic healing um, with her clients and she has her diploma in advanced nutritional medicine. So, um, yeah, we've been on quite a journey um, together to heal my skin. And I think it's the perfect timing to bring her on, seeing as I'm kind of at the other end of my skin journey now where I've, um, you know, with the help of Janet, been able to heal my skin. So I really wanted to have you on because I'm so excited to share what I've learned on my journey. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I wanted to have you on for ages because, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is just the right time though because I'm at a place now where um, everything has been, I guess, consolidated with all the knowledge that you have shared with me along the way. But um, I think, I guess I should preface how we started working together. So I'll give a bit of a background of how that happened and then um, why my journey was so different with Janet than with other practitioners that I've worked with because I have worked with um, a couple of other practitioners prior to Janet. I have always really believed in taking a holistic approach to my health, um, but in saying that, I realized that my approach to my health wasn't really holistic once I started working with Janet. So I didn't want to take any like medicines. I didn't want to take, you know, any, you know, prescription medicine or have to be on the pill or anything like that. But I did also look at, you know, herbal medicines in the same way as I would, you know, like the pill or like, you know, um, you know, you know, medication like that. I was like, I just want to take this pill Mm. and I just want it to fix everything and I want it to be natural and I want to be done with it. And um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and that is not how it works. My God. No, Um, no. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, I don't know what I, um, I think the way that you work is probably one of the, the main reasons why things were able to change and I was able to shift things, which we'll get into, um, shortly, but, I also think, you know, your, um, I think your personality worked really well with my personality because, you know, (laughs) most, because most other holistic practitioners, you know, you're very soft, like you are very feminine, but you also had that ability to be like, well, what you're doing is not working. So either you're going to let me help you or you're just going to keep being in this shit because nothing you're doing is working. And you were like the first person really to be like I actually remember you said and this is when I was like okay I think I think I have to work with her you were like you can't do this by yourself and I was like oh excuse me and then I was like no she's right I don't know what the fuck I'm doing Mm -hmm. and I can't do this by myself and I think it was like that real balance of um you have enough push and enough flow to be like we need to work through this but also I'm here to like support you so I mean, that's kind of a little bit mm-hmm. of an insight into how you work from from my perspective. But um, yep. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, I engaged with you and we were able to um, work together, which I was, um, you know, lucky to be able to do so. But also I want you to share before I go any further kind of about a bit, a bit about yourself, a bit about your background, how you got into what you're doing and why you work yeah. the way you work. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Marissa. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting what you're saying, first of all, about the push and pull aspect because I think there is that element sometimes where we do need uh, – we do need some tough love sometimes mm. and we also but we also need gentleness and and having that that is definitely something it's a dance like as a practitioner it is a dance to go i need to be firm and be like no this is what you need this is what you need and mm-hmm. you know like sometimes you've got to have the tough conversations but also when there needs to be gentleness then there is gentleness and it's a dance and it's a skill that you have to learn like it's not something that just happens naturally like there's it's something that has to be like real it's a cultivated like as anything yeah. else but yeah totally cultivated but um so I guess my journey started um 13 years ago now when I had a tumor in my kidney and I had to get my right kidney removed and that for me was like the catalyst up until that point I was only 26 at the time I was um thought I was healthy was you know like a normal girl in her 20s you know like used to go out lots and party lots and I'd been traveling and you know did all the things that you do when you're um you know as a young woman but I had this experience where I had been at the gym and I was actually like um twisting with a medicine ball and felt this pop and felt I had pain and thought it was actually back pain and I was like oh my god I'm getting old and I remember thinking I felt like I'd started to put on weight and I was like Mm. oh my god this is what's getting old is being like at the (laughs) six and I was really puffy but what had happened was then I felt I went to the chiropractor and the chiropractor in theory probably should have sent me it was a young chiro and I'd never been to the chiro before and she's like oh yeah this is just you needing an adjustment blah blah blah. but really the way I was presenting I should have been sent to emergency because I had this throbbing pain it was you know and eventually the pain subsided I still didn't go to the doctor and then two weeks later it came back and then I was rushed to emergency and they were like uh you've got a tumor in your kidney it's got to come out and at the time I lived on the northern beaches in Sydney I went to Manly Hospital and they transferred me to rural North Shore and it was a bit like, what the hell's going on? And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, it's coming out. And then I had to get my whole kidney removed. And what that tumour was was actually like this really rare type of tumour that was um, blood vessels and muscle. And it, what happened is it bled within itself and it expanded. So I had this massive like 30-centimetre like, like growth not growth, but like this edema type, like mm. being grown. And it was, that was the pain. And I, and so it had to come out. I've actually got a photo of my kidney now because the surgeon. Oh my God. Like this, Do you have yeah. it? And yeah, I've got a photo of it. And oh um, I was like, oh, I understand now why I had to come out because I was a bit like, why? But when I asked the surgeon when I could eat and drink, now I've only got one kidney, he was just like, oh, just eat and drink as normal. And he knew nothing about me. He didn't ask anything about me. I was like, hang on a minute, why did I get this? Mm. And so I didn't need to have chemotherapy. We had the conversation. It was something we decided wasn't really worth it. 
the the tumor was so rare it was like one of those things it's only in medical journals like we couldn't find anything in or anything like that my mum was a nurse so she went down rabbit holes and found info and she said I think they're going to talk to you about chemotherapy like this is you know and she used to work in oncology Mm. and so that didn't happen which was a massive blessing because it's not something you want to have um Mm. and then that was sort of it and it was like check in with your oncologist we'll see you every six months and then it got moved out to a year and I was really I felt really like okay what do I do now and so I went and saw a naturopath and um, started to go down different rabbit holes and I actually remember being at this um seminar that was a wealth actually a wealth creation seminar or not business but like yeah, sort of like wealth, personal development. And the guy did a, a section on health in mm. that three-day event and it was like, holy crap, I really don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need to get my, <laughs> my shit together. And so that was a big turning point for me. And then I went, okay, I really, and fell in love with food eventually and was like fell in love with the, how the body can heal. And I was really unhappy with my job up until that point. I was in a relationship mm. that was really not, I was not satisfied in. And I went looking for other things and started to go, okay, well, what would I do? I really fell in love with food. And I was like, I really want to help other people not, you know, not be able to get to this point where they get a tumor and have to lose an organ before they get sick. Um, yeah. And in that journey, I also <laughs> came off the pill. Yeah. And I had, um, crazy 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 hormonal acne after I actually had a condition which what would be called as post-pill PCOS mm, wow so that's really qu- quite common when people come off the pill because they come off the pill and then their ovaries have to like start coming back online and making hormones and things can go crazy and I tried to do that on my own and it was very like so much trial and error and then I eventually found someone to work with and you know there was so many different things I tried and it was like when I saw you I was like no 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 you need to you need help yeah so hard to do it on your own and um so that was that was a big part of my journey but also on that journey I realized like before I got sick a huge part of me I had all this anger Mm. and it was almost like it was exploding out of me in my relationship dynamic before I got sick and yeah. then when I got my kidney removed, it sort of like disappeared for a while. And I was like, what mm-hmm. was that? That was so weird. I had, it wasn't just anger. It was like rage. <laughs> and I eventually went, okay, what is that? I don't quite know how to access that. And and eventually I found some modalities to work on those past traumas and, and emotions and ultimately heal the wound with my father and mm-hmm other wounds that I'd had over the time and had suppressed a lot of my emotion a lot of that was anger and I felt like it exploded out of me literally when I had my tumor and so I found some particular modalities that really had such a big impact on me and by this point I was working with people and I knew I was working in the health space and I was like I know how much stress plays a big role on people and when I learnt these per- these particular modalities to actually regulate my nervous system and heal my traumas, I was like, oh, my goodness, I need to teach this. This is profound. And it yeah. completely changed my life. And I don't really feel like my hormonal balance got on my skin really balanced out until I got on top of my working how to 
you know, regulate my nervous system and how to um, heal those things in my body that needed to, like my emotions that needed to be healed. Mm. So that's my story and that's really how I work now with people. I work very, I'm very different to probably a run-of-the-mill practitioner who may just focus on functional testing and food like a naturopath which is all really important and I do that but Mm. for me it's like a lot of it is to do with stress plays such a big role that we need to work on those things that are actually internally stored in our body and these emotions and blocks and traumas to actually be able to get on top of our health because we have this background alarm running in our Um, Mm. and a lot of us are in fight or flight and we don't realize and then we have high levels of cortisol and then then the ripple effect of that is our hormones get completely thrown out of balance so that's a little bit about me and and how I work your story is very um it's quite amazing I can imagine like if I put myself in your shoes at 26 like being rushed to the hospital at some point to get this tumor removed it's like such a jarring um, experience. Obviously, it's been one of your biggest blessings in disguise because here you are, you know, teaching people and and all of those things. Um, But I think about like who I was at the start of when we started working together and the person that I am now, and I am a completely like different person in the best way. And to me, that's the definition of holistic health, right? Because it's like, you can't, you know, everything, like you say, is an absolute like ripple effect. And I think as a practitioner, like to have the ability to, I think to me, the point of difference was that you had the ability to hold space. So it's like, you know, you're working with people from all different walks of life. Like some people are more probably open to being emotional. Some people are more closed off. But I feel like where you stand, you're like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, this is the work. Like, I'm here. Like, I'm going to hold the space yeah. for you. What you do <laughs> in that space, that's on you. Like, you had, a, you had a certain way of being like, this is like your responsibility as well, but I'm here to help you. And I think like that really works for me because obviously I, I don't know what I would call my personality, but like I don't like being told or like, you know, pushed into yes you know, well, then I didn't really like being like feeling my emotions at all. And um, actually so funny. I remember having this conversation with you. You do. I'd love to touch on this um, particular part of your work because it's great, but um, you do this inner child work and you have this inner child meditation. And I was like, oh, here we fucking go. I'm like, here we go. We're going to do inner child work. Like, oh, my God, like I can't with this. Like that honestly, like, and, you know, who I am now, I wouldn't I wouldn't act like that towards it. But that's just who I was then. I was like, yeah, 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 I get it. Like give me some herbs, give me some supplements, like let's move kind of a thing. And um, I remember... Like yes. the nervous system response is like, Literally. oh, I've got to keep going. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, push everything yeah. to the side. Just give me a pill. Like I'm done. But yeah. anyway, so yeah. um, we had a coaching call and Janet was like, okay, we're going to do this inner child meditation. And I was like, look, I'll just humor her. I'll humor me. I'll close my eyes. Like, let's just do it. Like, let's just see. <laughs> and I honestly like will forever remember that day because I had such a like, <clears throat> I started bawling my eyes out. Like I hadn't cried like that in so long. 
um, like just in so long, like from my core being like tears, like it was like this massive release of energy, this massive release of all this shit that I'd been holding on to that I thought that I had, you know, supposedly let go and just completely surrendering and like just being like a sobby little mess. And it was like in that moment that I think my healing journey really begin began because it was so much encompassed that moment. It was like, okay, we need to regulate your nervous system. Uh, and, but also it's okay to be vulnerable. And like both yeah. of those things together, like was the kickstart of my um, healing journey. And like, who knew so much was involved in healing my acne because you know, I think from my understanding now, my acne has been caused from, you know, a couple of different reasons, but um, <clears throat> to give people like a background, if maybe they're in a similar position to me, it's like, I definitely was in that fight or flight mode. I was put on the accelerator and nowhere to run. Like I was just like, you yeah. know, and I think that <clears throat> anger, that frustration uh, in combination with not eating properly and all of those things, um, built up. And then my body was like, we're done. We're done with this and gave me acne <laughs> yeah. Yeah. pretty much. And sometimes, sometimes with acne as well. And I think I probably said this to you at some point is <coughs> when we suppress emotions, mm. like when we have emotions that turn inward. So that will often manifest as depression, like suppressed emotions, depression, mm. uh, sometimes it then will start to show up on the body mm -hmm. and so for some people like think about what acne is it's like this eruption and it's an infection but it's like it wants to come out of the body like literally wanting to like erupt out of mm. the body and yeah. that's also what happened with me and my kidney and so we have these emotions and we don't get taught how to process emotions for a lot of us. We don't get taught, you know, depending on how our, how parents um, demonstrated <laughs> conflict and demonstrated how they regulated their emotions. Was emotions okay? To, was it okay to be angry or sad? Or, you know, how is that? Uh, how were you taught that as a kid? We then go into <laughs> becoming adults and we're like, oh, it's not, and we still have this, like it's not okay, you know, we just learnt to survive and we and we go into these protective modes to just survive and mm. it's no one's fault. It's just that it gets, you know, when we're talking about trauma, trauma, the way that emotions are dealt with is also passed down through generations. And mm -hmm. so where our caretakers aren't, if their nervous systems aren't regulated and they don't feel safe in their own bodies because that's ultimately what we're talking about is, how safe do I feel in my body? And if I don't feel safe, I'm in alarm. Yeah. And so often then we have these, well, well, it's not okay to show my emotions or, you know, I have these things that may have been told, I may have been told that it's not okay to be angry or it's just be quiet, just shush, you know, mm. like don't, whatever it is for that, for that person. But with skin, it, it comes out and often there's anger. Yeah. With, and whenever I have people that have skin issues, I'm like, okay, well, where's the anger? Because yeah. I've just learned through my own process and working with other people, I'm like, it's, it's there sometimes, shame and anger, but shame is usually underneath anger, but anger's there. And yeah. not just acne, like also things like eczema or psoriasis as well. 
mm-hmm. psoriasis is more autoimmune. So when there's autoimmune, I think uh, I think about hatred of self because you mm, well, yeah, attacking yourself. So this self hatred. Wow. Um, so yeah, like it's interesting when you go. Oh, I don't know how to do that, but it it can literally manifest and it's not the only thing it's never Mm. just one thing which you've learned but it's a big contender yeah so I guess you know that is also a piece of that inner child work as well because all those emotions that um you know we experience during our life but in particular during childhood are so significant to work through from what I've understood and learnt in like personal experience because, you know, you don't have the toolkit as a child to actually deal with those emotions and to deal with, um, you know, maybe feeling as though you were mistreated. So all of those experiences get kind of lodged in your nervous system. So at some point, you know, the body does remember and you have to bring up the weeds. You know, so I think, yeah, inner child work is definitely something that it can be difficult, I can imagine, for people to look at. And it was difficult for myself because as an adult, you are retelling these stories and like there's a there's a portion of like judgment you have when you're even sharing the stories because you're like, God, this is ridiculous. Like surely this can't be right. It's like a whole minefield. And it's but then there's that vulnerability piece again because it's like, well, Fuck it. Like if that's what it is, if that was that experience and it's like no matter how silly or insignificant it is, like there's no point in judging it. You may as well just release it because you're going to get one step closer to healing. So, um, yeah, yeah, the inner child work is definitely, yeah. Everyone has a different experience so there's no right or wrong. Mm. So when you're talking, go back a step, like what Mm. is trauma? Mm. So my definition of trauma is when I didn't feel seen or heard mm-hmm. or my my safety was actually compromised, I wasn't safe or my, uh, my needs weren't met, whether that's physical, actual well-being or emotional needs were not met and I didn't feel safe or didn't feel seen or heard. Well, then that can be a full spectrum of anything. And yeah. the biggest thing that we do is we judge ourselves because we're like, oh, well, I don't have it as bad as someone else who, say, may have had some big trauma like sexual abuse or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. And you may have had that, but there's big traumas and there's little traumas and it's all relative to you. And so it doesn't matter. It's just mm-hmm. we then, you know, if we weren't, uh, if we didn't feel safe, we didn't feel seen or heard, we weren't allowed to express our emotions or we were made wrong for expressing our emotions or we were also maybe emotionally responsible for our parents that's also Mm. a big one um we then learn to adapt and so when we're as as kids we've learned to just respond and adapt to our environment and just to just to stay safe and so it's Mm. a protective mechanism it's just that those mechanisms that we learnt as when we were younger now aren't serving us. And when we get often when people get triggered and stuff comes up now, it's actually not about that moment. It's about an unhealed wound that actually needs to be healed and integrated. Mm. Um, so you can become that functional adult because you know if someone 
think about when you have an argument with someone. Yeah. You see people regress back to being a childlike state. Are they acting yes. like a child? Yeah, because they've gone back to being a three-year-old or a two-year-old or an eight-year-old. Literally, there's yeah. those parts of those that it's like, ah, like, and all this stuff comes up and it's not about that moment. So mm. that's where doing this work, I do in a child work and shadow work. I just also have a few different modalities that I go into help. It's called an overview method where I go into uh, a wound and we feel it and then we actually flip it on its head so you can see the gift and that is really mm. powerful well yeah but when you're doing this type of work it needs to be felt mm. you can't think your way out of a feeling problem and this when we're talking about the nervous system it's a feeling problem so we need yeah. to get better at feeling not just feeling better and that was probably the thing yeah like, that's a big, okay, that's a like, big I want to I want to I want to get better I want to get better da, 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 da. and I'm like yeah but yeah I just need you to feel better like get it better at feeling first yeah yeah before you can feel better mm. and we don't want to and we're also in that society of oh, I just want the quick fix like that dopamine absolutely hit, you know like just give me mm-hmm. the pill just make it go away da, 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 and and then ultimately it, it's that's actually the fast route is slow and the slow route is actually fast in the long Yeah. Way. And, God, like what's so the amount of gifts that I would have missed out on if there was some magic pill that would have made it go away. But I guess nature obviously is intelligent and, you know, there's a way yeah. to work through things. But um, I think something really significant when we do any inner child work is you – um, often say, what are you, what, what are you making that mean about you? Yeah. And it just like makes you stop for a second. And I say that to myself in like a lot of situations, like if someone says something at work that kind of, I'm like, uh, like what the hell? And then you, you, before I even let my mind go on like a ramble and like say all these things, I'm like, what are you making that mean about you? And then it just stops you in your tracks. Cause usually like the most common things that your mind comes up with is that you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, or, you know, but your brain and your thinking mind has the capacity to crowd it with so many other, like, thoughts. I don't know if I've even articulated that in the best way possible, but, yeah. It it usually only comes down to about five. It's a really good question whenever you get Mm. something comes up. It's like, what am I making it mean about me? And there'll be Mm. an I am statement that goes with that. So I am what? It's usually only usually a couple. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, you know, um, I'm broken. Um, I'm bad. Like there's a, mm, there's only mm. a few and we are meaning making machines. So going back to when we were kids, when we didn't, you know, when certain things happened in our, uh, when we were denied love or, you know, something, something happened to us, we gave it meaning that we weren't good enough. Yeah. And that ultimately is then the part of us that needs to be integrated. A lot of people also didn't receive the parenting that they needed so they weren't Mm. nurtured and so there's also that aspect and looking at your mother wound and your father wound and how how that um that relates but yeah ultimately that's what we give it meaning and our mind will create our ego or our mind whatever you want to call it which is our nervous is the part of us that will want to protect us so mm-hmm. when we we will deflect, we'll point, you'll blame, shame, like make excuses, 
that is the part of you that is actually trying to protect the pain. And this is when you go, they did this or, you know, how dare they're in your victim mode or mm. you are per- being the perpetrator where you're, you know, pointing the finger. That's your part of your nervous system that in your ego that is trying to protect you. So there's actually yeah. purpose in that. Mm. It's just that it doesn't really help us have healthy relationships or feel safe in our own bodies. But there is an intention behind that part of us mm. that isn't necessary, isn't going to go away. Also, it's just that we need to learn how to have a different relationship with that part. Because mm. these often, I had this, I literally had a call with a client this morning before we got on this. And she was like, I just, like, I, when am I going to be healed? I just want to be healed. Mm. When am I going to get over it? And I was like, what's the part of you that's judging yourself for, you know, like this idea that I should be healed whenever we say should and shouldn't? Mm. There's a fan- fantasy there. And it's yeah. like she was judging herself for not being where she thinks she should be. Yeah, And I got her to actually connect to her critic, her inner critic, and have a conversation with that part. I said, she's not going away. You just need to change the relationship with these parts. Yeah. We yeah. have all these different parts. We have an angry part. We have a sad part. We have a, maybe have a, a, a part that is fear of being abandoned or fear of being alone or, you know, mm-hmm. the unworthy part. And, and all of these parts play different roles. This is what you call your shadows. Yeah. And so it's not that the those parts are going to go away. It's like, how can I learn to love all of those parts of me mm. and that they're all serving as a purpose and start to change the relationship with that and, and learn how to have a conversation with those yeah. parts because then I can use it to my advantage and yeah. I can actually start to work with all my allies rather than everyone working against each other. Yes, that that's a big piece because it's actually, if you think about it, it's so dysfunctional to only want to work with yourself when you feel like you're being good. Like when you have that definition of, yep, I'm feeling good, I'm behaving well, like everything's well. And then it's like, like you say, it's like, what about that other part of you? Like that still exists, like that still deserves love. Like we're as humans, like we're not all good like we're multifaceted and it's yeah that that like what you said it's not going away we just need to change our relationship with ourselves and then kind of in the same breath while doing that everything becomes good like all of that you know you know you unbury it and it becomes like you bring it into the light which is I guess the part of your shadow work yeah, I think the kicker is you've got to go be willing to go in and feel the discomfort yeah. of all of those to actually get through to the other side. To get the payoff of feeling that, you know, energy yeah. release come back to you. Um, another piece of the inner child work, which I found so empowering that I think is worth sharing, and you mentioned it briefly before, is the reparenting aspect, because I would be having conversations with you and, you know, things from my past would be coming up and I'll be like, but they didn't do that and they, they, you know, neglected to tell me that or to do that. And it's like, okay, okay, that's valid. But it's also like, all right, well, you know, now as an adult, like you have the ability to um, reparent yourself, like support yourself, give yourself the um, support that maybe you, you didn't get. And because you can't change that, you know, but yeah. You you can support yourself in in the ways that you've learned to yeah. do so. So um, can you touch on that briefly and what that means when you're working with your clients? Yeah, 
so I mean most people have a wound a father wound and a mother wound yeah uh, I think and when we're wanting to connect and become more whole and live fulfilling lives and have fulfilling relationships Mm. we actually need to mend that fracture and like heal that relationship Mm. uh heal that wound heal that mother wound that father wound because that actually otherwise then gets carried forward into our adult life particularly in our intimate relationships and also our friendships (laughs) because that part's not healed so then it starts showing up in other relationship dynamics and a lot of the time you, you know, even even with because I work with a lot of women also that are mothers and, you know, or trying to get pregnant or and it can start to play out then with how you also then parent your children, mm. you show up with your with your family, with your spouse, you know, like and the biggest thing, the biggest gift you can do, I believe, is healing your mother wound and your father wound. Yeah. Because there is then so much freedom on the other side of that mm. to, because it's like carrying around. Think about like carrying around big, like a big bag of rocks behind yeah. you and you don't realise um, and it's heavy <laughs> like mm. to be carrying that on your shoulders and it affects how you interact with other people and often will inter- affect us how we inter- we interact in intimate relationships because we often actually go and because I have this wound with mum or dad that hasn't been resolved, I then go and like subconsciously, this is all subconscious, I then go and seek that out in an intimate partner without even knowing and yeah. they're like, all of my stuff comes up around the around mum because it's not healed. Mm-hmm. So we people we go into adult life and then we get we walking around getting triggered all the time because we haven't healed that wound. And so the biggest thing is if you didn't feel like you did receive the love and support that you needed and and what it, and what was missing, what voids were missing. You get, learn to give that to yourself and that's what reparenting is. It's like be the mother to yourself or the father to yourself mm. that your inner child needs to thrive and yeah. to be their best version and give that to them. And when we can then do that, we can we, we don't need then anything external yeah. because we're, we're totally uh, and that's really attractive. Yeah, like when we get to that point where it's like, oh, <clears throat> I'm not reliant, and this is the thing where we're all we're all dopamine addicts. We're living in this world. We're all totally addicted to dopamine, whether it's through our phone and through online shopping or through drugs or alcohol yeah. or sex or online dating or whatever it is. It's and there's just different versions of it, but a lot of it is going. I need external validation. Definitely. Or because I don't feel good about myself. Or hang on, how can we change that? We can actually start to give ourselves the love that we didn't get from mum or dad, the approval that we didn't get from mum or dad, and give it to ourselves so then we actually uh, don't need it. And then you show up in friendships and in relationships without this element of trying to get approval, and it's a very different dynamic. You know, that is huge. Relationships start to change. Mm. Yeah. 
Mm, that is huge. Like that is huge. Like to actually, you know, be able to work to towards that and to have that insight is just it's a it's a it's a game changer. Like it's to be able to support yourself and to be, you know, emotionally self-sufficient is something that you know, it's a, always like a continuous journey, but to even be working towards that, I think is something that is just, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, I wanted to, you touched on it briefly earlier, but I want you to, if you could elaborate on our nervous system, um, because it's really quite interesting. All I really understood from our nervous system is there's fight or flight mode. Um, but there's a lot more to it and there's, you know, a couple of, um, you, you, I'll let you explain it because you obviously explain it really well. But um, yeah, that it just it's so interesting to understand all the different ways that we may kind of go in these categories of our nervous system and to recognize like maybe times in our life where we've you know maybe been not coping in in a certain way. So what would you yeah? How would you explain the nervous system? So the way that I look through at the nervous system, my lens of looking at the nervous system is through a polyvagal theory. And polyvagal yeah, theory yeah, is a the theory word. that uh is looking at the states of our nervous system and what behaviors and responses will indicate what state we're in. And so there's actually three states. Yeah. There is fight or flight, which is when you're in sympathetic. And, and polyvagal, just so you know, we've got a vagus nerve that goes from our brain to all our organs. Mm-hmm. And this also needs to be firing correctly. So that's another aspect to this. And when we're in sympathetic, our vagus nerve doesn't fire as quickly, which means we don't digest our food correctly you know, as well. And so it's, that's, that's also the connection. But there's three states for uh, this. There's fight or flight, which is you're in sympathetic, which is that run um, or fight, you're in full alarm, um, you're in that hypervigilant state, like you're in a really overactive state um, and you'll be really responsive or do, 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 um, totally that in that really uh, revved up state I guess and we also need that like it doesn't mean that you never want to be in sympathetic but there's a level of of yeah I'm just in alarm yeah and then we also have this sense of this other state which is called ventral which is the green zone so sympathetic would be red and then fight or flight and then ventral which is the green zone which is when I'm my parasympathetic system is turned on. I'm feeling safe in my own body and there's a sense of playfulness. Mm. So I'm like childlike, I'm play, I'm having fun, I'm connected, I'm, you know, I'm present. And then there is another state which is called dorsal where you're in a shutdown, which is part of, it's actually part of parasympathetic, but it's when you go into shutdown where you just go and hide and it's an it's a survival mechanism because it's like fear of death, like just mm. and so procrastination, for example, is dorsal. Mm-hmm. When we go into depression, that's dorsal. And so often we'll be in different states, but a lot of us, our home away from home is actually in that sense, in that place of uh sympathetic or dorsal, so yeah. green, uh, r- yellow or red. And I actually think I said it the wrong way around. I think dorsal is probably red, full alarm. Yeah. And 
we but we do also need to be in different states like if we're playing sport for example we'll be in ventral but we'll also be a little bit of sympathetic Mm -hmm. we're being intimate with a partner or having a really beautiful conversation there is a little bit of dorsal but there's also a little bit of ventral so just depending on what it is but when we're stuck in this state this ventral state I mean this uh, parasympathetic uh, sympathetic state or this dorsal state that is Mm. when we don't get anything done and it's our home and away from home it's our go-to and often we'll have a go-to it's like my automatic is go fight or flight or my automatic is I just go and run and retreat and hide and get the hell out of there. And we've, yeah. that's just the response that we're talking about. When you learn as a kid, what did you do mm. as to as your survival mechanism? Was it run and hide and just shut down and don't, you know, people who don't like conflict, people who are avoidant, um, you know, those types of attachment styles like that's, that is in dorsal. And or you might be a real fighter where you'll be like, all right, bring it on and just blame everyone and want to like, you know, you see this on the internet a lot on social media with people Mm. that are just wanting to, you know, point the finger or use their their energy maybe in an unconscious way to actually fuel their their state. They're in this sympathetic state. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people are in this when during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. People, yeah. you'd be like, what? Like, and it, it just yeah. like never makes sense. I, I mean, I guess people yeah. can definitely recognize that behavior in their in yeah. their own self, like yeah. for sure. But yeah, it's yeah. easy to see it on the internet. You're like, what yeah. the hell? Like, where did I you think come that, from? I think the biggest distinction is our thoughts will indicate what we're in. So yeah. we can be like, okay, well, when I'm feeling like connected and like this is happening for me and not to me I'm in ventral when Mm. I'm like sort of like angry or uh want to point the finger or how dare they or who do they think they are or yeah whatever yeah that's sympathetic and when I'm like what's the point I'm hopeless what's why am I bothering no one really cares Mm. those thoughts that's dorsal you can tell what's what and you can look this up online, like mm. just look up, just Google it, you know, like polyvagal theory and all yeah. the pictures come up and you'll see it and you can go, oh, okay. And the first part is really going, okay, well, when I do, what, where's my nervous system right now? Mm. And we we'll often will have a little bit of each maybe running in out or what our, our go-to is, but it's just observing it first of all and noticing what your default mechanism is like what Mm. where does your nervous system go when you are triggered Mm -hmm. and are you ever inventual because a lot of people aren't yeah yeah don't play they don't feel safe enough to relax they don't feel safe enough to you know really enjoy themselves and you know we've all been conditioned as well that way to be in that state of do, 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 that it takes time and practices to actually be able to get into that place. But that's where all the magic happens because that's like living life. Yeah, which is crazy. (laughs) But I think the word that is really um, like the operative word there is safety. And I remember you you said, you know, we need to find ways for you to feel safe in your body. And I literally was like to you, I, I don't understand what that means. I was like, what does that mean? And yeah. you pretty much like in a short version explained what you just laid out there. And you're like, 
you need to feel safe in your own body. Like it's okay to feel your emotions. It's okay to play. It's okay to be happy. Like you need to like generate that feeling of it's okay. You're safe. I've got you. And that was a major, major piece for me because I think when I reflected on, okay, do I feel safe in my body? The answer was very clearly at that point, no. And then, okay, where am I seeking safety? And that was in relationships outside of myself, like trying to get people to, you know, validate me, to always stay with me, to always just, I, I needed that from other people because I didn't obviously have that within myself. So yeah, that safety part ties in um, really significantly with understanding your nervous system and and things like that. So um, yeah, thank you for explaining that. Um, I like to follow on with the nervous system. I want to ask you about the feminine and masculine energy. And also you have this really good explanation of um like being in that equilibrium, like, you know, when things are too good or when things are like really bad and like finding that kind of safe middle zone and how that plays out in nature, like why that occurs, because that was really um, interesting to me. But um, yeah, yeah hit me. So <laughs> I'll, I, might, I might do that first because uh, so this is the concept of looking at dark and light, like the duality yeah. of positive and negative and this is actually John John D Martini talks about this so if anyone okay. is listening and knows John D Martini he talks about this like the duality of life really well um but you can't it's not possible to have negative without positive positive without negative light without dark they actually coexist at the exact same time and mm. so that is the dance and when we're often uh when we often are stressed it's because we don't we're looking at things one-sided and we have this fantasy that it should be all one-sided it should be all amazing it should be all easy it should be all joyous there should be joy there shouldn't be there should be joy without pain yeah you know there should be you know and and we should have pleasure without pain and mm-hmm. we sh- you know like we it should all be one-sided. And then the reality is that it's not like that. And then we've, we are, there is this illusion and this is the gap between life and this is what creates the resistance and this is what creates the disappointment. And we have these high, and then we have highs and lows because then we go chasing the joy or the pain or the high because we think it should be all one-sided and then we'll get pulled back the other way because the universe actually wants us to be neutral and understand that both exist at the same time. And Mm. so that is, you can't have one without the other. They exist. Same with emotions. Like, and so when we even look at experiences that we have, particularly when you're going back and even look and looking at traumas, it's like experiences where I'll, I, it was only pain. There was only pain. There was no pleasure in that moment you can actually go in and look at that if you're guided through it and actually start to see that there was the other side was there because it's there, it exists. It's just that we have these blinkers on and we can't see it. So Mm. that's the the concept of duality. So then when you're talking about feminine and masculine energy, we are innately, and I'm giving you the real short version here, Mm. but innately uh, we have two energies within us. But as a human we generally will have one energy that is more dominant. 
Mm. The masculine energy that exists, like the yin and yang sign, the same as the light and the dark, they actually exist at the exact same time. And so you actually need a little bit of masculine in the feminine and you need a little bit of feminine in the masculine. In concept of relationships, you need polarity to have good dynamics in relationships. And a lot of the time you, a lot of women in particular, uh, move, and this is society as well and the way we've been conditioned, move more into the masculine and are more in the masculine. But there is also a difference between the feminine being a wounded feminine and the feminine being an empowered like queen energy feminine mm. and the masculine being a wounded masculine versus a really like masculine, uh, empowered masculine energy. Yeah, um, divine masculine energy. So there is a difference, and this comes down to you know looking at how people behave. And um, when we're looking at feminine and masculine, the masculine is life force and still. And I, the way I explain it is, think of a rock, and the feminine energy is water running around that rock. Like feminine mm. energy is life force itself, yeah. and masculine energy is like strong strength likes to wants completion is freedom you know like that's masculine whereas the feminine is a dance yeah so the two actually interact with each other we have both in ourselves but we will have one that's dominant and uh often we where there's conflict is we often will deny or women will deny the feminine and Mm. move very much into the masculine which is a very like yang energy And it can be exhausting when you're operating from that place, but it's actually not innately not where you're operating from. Mm. And understanding also that there's a dance because we have moments where we need to be in our masculine to get stuff done, like, you know, maybe working in in your career or your business. And, but we also need to be able to explore that feminine energy and understand what is an empowered feminine energy and what is, an empowered masculine Mm. um and understanding that dynamic it's really interesting with Jen just going okay well what does the feminine want to do and we have these parts we often judge the feminine part in ourselves as well I I notice and me included myself included like we can judge that feminine part of ourselves and not let it be expressed but Mm. they have both both parts and so it's really interesting. It's a really good, uh, beautiful dynamic to understand when you're looking at how do I create more balance in my life? Like yeah. if I'm feeling exhausted, there's a fair chance a lot of that is also to do with how what energy you're operating from mm-hmm. and they're out of balance. And so the yin and yang needs to be in balance. And if we're not in balance, then we're off one-sided and there's this go, 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 like exhaustion eventually it can lead to exhaustion yeah and so connecting to those energies and understanding those and you can go down many rabbit holes with that and really understanding that as well but I think it's really powerful in terms it of is it's so powerful that learning about that was actually a really big game changer to me and it's like I think yeah society as a whole I think um you know categorizes being feminine as being weak it's like you're not getting anything done you know 
but all of those characteristics that society commonly, um, you know, associates with feminine and feminine energy is just the wounded feminine. Like that's not being like, that's not, that's not being in your like strong, you know, you know, grounded, you know, wholesome feminine energy. That's, you know, the tendencies that, um, you know, maybe are less desirable because they're wounded. So I think that's definitely a piece that is like a whole subject on its own, but it's definitely something um, for people to look into if they're experiencing burnout. And it's important to understand that it goes beyond just the way that you physically present yourself. Like, because I remember when you mentioned feminine and masculine energy to me, I was like, yeah, I am feminine. Like I am feminine. Like I don't, you know, dress like a guy or act like a guy, but it's a lot deeper than that. It's like your energy. It's the way that you push forward in the world. If you're always um, willing yourself forward and you're not allowing flow and you're not receiving, it's, yeah, there's a bit of a, um, a, a off balance um, situation. Actually, probably a key point as well is feminine is receiving. Yeah. And so a lot of women aren't good at receiving. Yes, yeah, that yeah. is the feminine energy, like being able to receive, and the masculine mm. loves to give and provide, and you know, like yeah. be the provider. Mm-hmm. And this is not talking about sexes because you can be in a, you could be uh, also. It's got when you're looking at it in terms of context of relationships. It's yeah, you could have a same sex uh, relationship or a, a heterosexual relationship, and it's. The dynamic, the polarity should still be there. When there's no polarity, that's when there is conflict in the relationship. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and so it's receiving. And a lot of women that we don't know how to receive, it's like we get taught how to give, 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 like we've Mm. got to like just do, 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 give, give, give. But actually the art of receiving, receiving a compliment, receiving help, asking for help, Mm. Um, you know, like that is being in your feminine, being like, oh, can you help me? Yeah. And I need help. That is feminine energy. And that's a big one with women is going, I, a lot of a lot of us don't know how to ask for help. It's a, It takes practice and being bringing awareness to that first. Yeah, asking for help was a, was a big one. Like I had this, like, you know, during our work, obviously I became quite conscious of the um, stories and the, you know, um, language that I was using in my own head. And a lot of the time I'm like, oh, I can just do it myself. It's better if I just do it by myself. And it's like, fucking why? Like, why do everything yeah. by yourself? Like, it's so tiring. Yeah. Like, yes, and I yeah, think for yeah, me, yeah. it's like, I just got to that point of like being like, yes. I'm, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this by myself anymore. And it's like, and you don't have to, it's like surrender, ask for help. And like, people are very yeah. receptive to that energy. People like, if you're asking yeah. from a grounded place, if you're not being like, oh my God, like, woe is me. You're like, yeah, hey, like maybe. I can do this, but yeah, can you give me a hand? And it's like yeah. such a overall um, better experience, like better yeah. life to live that way. Um, so we've we've spoken a lot about the emotional component of healing and mm. um I wanted to briefly touch on some diet related things with you because obviously mm. that plays a really big part in it. Um mm. what would you say are the biggest like contributors to acne if we're thinking about um diet and the body? Okay. So there's a couple of big ones with acne in particular. Uh Inflammation is one of the big drivers with acne, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and this and this comes from a few different places. And when we're looking at inflammation in the body, it's like where does it come from? First of all, we've got to look at the gut. 
mm-hmm. and the way that the gut works. And if the gut is not working in balance, um, if we don't make enough stomach acid, if we don't have a healthy gut lining, uh, if the microbiome in our um, gut is not at, in a good balance, it's like a little ecosystem, there's going to be inflammation because our big part of our immune system is in the gut. Yeah. So inflammation in the gut. The other thing that causes inflammation is blood sugar, and this is really important for people with acne because Mm -hmm. blood sugar plays a big, big, big role in acne. And the reason being is for cystic acne especially, uh, when we consume food that will raise our blood sugar, whether it be sugar or carbohydrates, sugar is a form of carbohydrate, but refined carbohydrates or any type of carbohydrates even some people are super sensitive to even <clears throat> that are like maybe like sweet potato or potato was you know like just but when we have carb- grains especially when we have carbohydrate um we it gets converted into glucose in the blood and that actually causes insulin to rise and insulin mm. is this little hormone that we have to let uh energy into the cell to get the glucose into the cell ultimately so we can make energy literally in the mitochondria of every single cell when we have insulin insulin actually causes our cortisol to go up Mm -hmm. and it will also cause more oil to be produced in the top layers of your skin so Mm. there's a uh, enzyme that gets produced and it will then cause testosterone to be made in the top layers of your skin and then you'll make more oil from your sebaceous gland and you there's a combination of things as well but that oil will then obviously contribute to like infections of the hair follicle because that's ultimately when we're talking about acne a lot of the time that's what's happening so uh sugar blood sugar and insulin is really really important and getting on top of your blood sugar levels and there's a few big things when we're talking about uh, blood sugar levels that can really impact it sugar in general, like all sugar, like if someone's got a skin issue, I'm like, you need to quit sugar essentially, like get off any processed added sugar completely. Um, gluten can also um, raise blood sugar levels because it wheat generally, and I say wheat or grains, a lot of grains will cause blood sugar to spike. Um, <clears throat> and uh, even things like caffeine. So caffeine and dairy actually. <clears throat> so with people that... Um, uh, struggling with acne, I will get them off dairy, I'll get them off sugar, or like, be, and often caffeine, like coffee, because coffee will also cause your sport, like, cause an insulin spike for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And same thing, it's the same mechanism. And so, they're big things that really getting your blood sugar levels stable is really, really, really key. And dairy is really big because it also causes um, insulin growth factor one, IGF one, mm-hmm. to also rise, which will also same thing cause more uh, more testosterone to be made in the top layers of your skin. Mm-hmm. Acne is also very associated with uh, other hormonal imbalances such as PCOS and PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome is uh, connected to high insulin as one of the drivers mm. of. If it's, if it's insulin resistance, PCOS, there's a few different types of PCOS. So that is why sometimes when people have PCOS, it will come with a bunch of symptoms, including acne. And often it's insulin resistance that is the cause of it, which mm. is 
you know, our body is a little bit like insulin allows the sugar to get into the, or the glucose to get into the cell. It's a little bit like there's a party on inside the house and people are knocking at the door and the music's turned up and they can't get in. And I've seen people who may not be insulin resistant, but they still are very sensitive to sugar and it still has an impact and carbohydrate and it still is causing their blood sugars to spike and still affecting their skin. You don't actually have to be insulin resistant for it to be a problem. Um, I usually like fasting insulin. If you test your fasting insulin to be below seven, six or seven, no, Mm -hmm. no, no higher than eight. Um, and anything above that, you're starting to get into insulin-resistant territory. Above 13 is really, 12, 13 is really where it starts to get more insulin-resistant. But that is one of the big drivers. So dairy, coffee, uh, sugar. Um, and the other component, which is what we are talking about before, is stress because stress will also yeah. cause your cortisol levels to go up. And anything that drives your cortisol will then in turn cause you to often make more testosterone and with skin, it's the testosterone that's getting made in the top layers of your skin. So they're the big ones with food. Um, there's also the element of deficiencies. Like, mm. So when we're talking about skin, there's a, a direct connection between the gut and the skin and this gut-skin axis. And so if the gut's not functioning well, then the skin's not functioning well. We also have a microbiome on our skin. But deficiencies also play a role because we need that gut, first of all, to be functioning well. And it's sort of like, okay, which came first? But a lot mm. of the minerals and the vitamins that you need for your gut to be working well, you also need for healthy skin, such as, for example, vitamin A and zinc. So yeah. we need to have that absorption, like healthy absorption, and also have optimal levels of those uh, nutrients so that we're actually getting able to have a healthy um, skin barrier and mm. skin function. Things like vitamin A will impact your high turnover of, of this, the turnover of skin cells, which is also a, an issue with um, acne. So you've got yep. this combination of too much sebum and then the skin turning over, like the cells turning over quite fast, so then you get blocked pores. Yeah. So that is also a, a contributor, like being contributed by blood sugar, by your diet, by deficiencies, particularly vitamin A. So there's a lot of different aspects to that, but they're the big ones when we're talking about acne and the and the diet. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I, I remember learning about them for the first time and being quite amazed, especially in terms of um, blood sugar. I really had never heard of um, looking at your blood sugar for any reason other than if you had like type two diabetes. Like that's as far as my knowledge went on um, insulin, and that was a, I think a big component in healing my skin because I think I am quite sensitive to sugar. Like even if I just, if I were to, which I never do, but if I were to have like a chocolate bar or something like that, like I would feel it like straight away. And it's about, I guess for me, I'm able to feel it now because I'm a lot more in tune with my body. But um, uh, yeah, the insulin one is, is really interesting. And as well, taking into consideration any deficiencies, like I think just hearing all of that in one piece when you're speaking about it, like it really does make you, reminds me that it's like 
there is so much to it and you do it is useful to have someone who actually knows what they're doing and can support you um along the journey because it's your health it's like it's not your job to really know everything that's why people you know study it and that specialize in it and can help you um and when you're talking about uh deficiencies as well there's a the other thing to note is when we often because I hear this a lot people go to their doctor and they've then they come to me and they said oh yeah I went and got tested and yeah fine and there's a couple of things about that first of all when your GP will look at your uh blood panel Mm. they're looking at it with, with these ranges that are really wide and it's the medium of everyone that they test. Now, they test a lot of people at the labs that are sick. So the, over the years, the, the ranges have actually gotten a lot wider and they don't look at optimal ranges. So that's mm. number one. So looking at optimal ranges is very different. I even remember like, for example, zinc, optimal ranges of zinc, uh, well, the ranges of zinc, depending on what lab, is between like eight to 18, 19, mm-hmm. and optimal ranges is between like 15 to 18. Yeah, right. Right. <clears throat> so when you look at it, you're like, wow, my integrative doctor said to me, this is a few years ago, he said, yeah, I remember when zinc, the opt- the ranges for zinc used to be 15 to 27. He's right. My like, oh, integrative doctor says so changed a lot. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So he, like, it's, it's very, um, you got to look at it like optimal ranges. So a lot of the time people go, oh, yeah, it's fine, but they could be at the very end of the range and they're not getting enough zinc in. There's other factors with that. Um, a lot of minerals, it's to do with ratios as well and stuff like that. But that just gives you some context of um, when you're looking at it. The other thing is a lot of the time, well, in Australia, I'll just talk in the context of Australia. Yeah. We, we, the, the general practice is they'll only test for things that can be put through Medicare and paid for by Medicare. Mm, so big one. There are, yeah. there are a lot of tests that actually are not covered by Medicare. So if you go to your doctor, and this is no fault of the doctors because they're very governed by APRA and Medicare and, you know, like there's a lot of fear out there around them losing their licence ultimately. Yeah, they got to play by certain rules, yeah. They get audited if they if they do so they've got to have they've got to be able to justify it. and if they don't know why they're testing it they won't want to so yeah. there's this bit of this this push pull dynamic that happens when people go I want to get this done and they're like no you ultimately sometimes just got to pay for things like zinc selenium iodine you know things like that um, that can impact you uh, some things you can get like your B12 and your vitamin D but not always so it's a real Mm. it's also knowing what the right things to ask for is Mm. and is that is doing a blood test the best version of that or is there another way we can do it is there some other tests that you can do and even with hormone testing like sometimes you've actually if you're struggling with skin condition or something else sometimes you need to go and do some other functional testing not always but to go, okay, well, what's really going on here hormonally or what's really happening here so that we can really understand what needs to be addressed and get to the root cause of the um, deficiencies and things like that. So yeah. I hear it a lot when people say, oh, yeah, 
I, I doctor said I was fine. I was like, yeah, but your doctor's not looking at things. They're only looking for things outside the range and they're looking for a disease state. Ultimately. Yeah, right. Yeah, because that's kind of the way that, you know, unfortunately, again, not the fault of the doctor, but that's just the way things yeah. are functioning at the moment because, yeah, that's the yeah. model of health. So, yeah, I guess looking at healing your skin in a holistic manner is there is um, a lot of a- autonomy in it. Like, you know, there yeah. are certain things that you have to maybe go against a little bit what you have traditionally heard of. And there is a lot of, um, yeah, autonomy in yourself. Like you have to take that self-initiative. There is work that you need to do um, for yourself. Whereas I think maybe that more traditional way of just going to your GP, being sit down and being told what's wrong with you. Um, and you go, yep, okay. And then you take the pill for it. Like it's complete polar, polar opposites. And yeah. maybe one day they will merge those two systems, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> yeah. You never yeah. know. I, yeah. I don't know if the um, the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, I don't like think that. so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they vibe. <laughs> Um, no. so I guess, yeah, one of the, I think main things that was so significant in the work that we did is the education component, which I guess we've obviously been able, had the pleasure to, um, you know, hear a little bit about, you know, how you, you, you work today with your clients, but, um, think for, for clients that are potentially wanting to work with you, I think to understand there is a, you know, a part of you that needs to put in you know, a bit of the work to to get through and to, you know, be interested in your health, be interested in learning about why the things are happening to you like they're happening. And um, I think I, you know, just to, I guess, loop things back and to um, bring everything full circle. I remember like one of the first or second consultations I was chatting with you, we were going through all the potential reasons why you know, I potentially was dealing with acne and it was just so interesting because I just remember crying and being so upset and I just couldn't get, I couldn't get my head around. Like I was such a perfectionist, such in my go energy. Like someone was like, something's not functioning right. And I was like, no, no, impossible. I'm fine. And you're like, no, no, something's not functioning right. Like, let's figure it out. And I couldn't even put my foot in to even want to know what was needing to be figured out. I was like, this just cannot be. So I think, um, yeah, it's really, it's amazing to see how far I've come on my own journey and how much that I've learned. Like I said, I'm yeah, definitely not the same person that I was when I first started working with you. But um, yeah, I guess for people who are, you know, wanting to work with you, what's your, um, how can they get in touch with you? How can they work with you? Do you have a waiting list at the moment? Like what, are you taking on new clients? Yeah, I'm taking on new clients. Um, so the best way to see me, there's a couple of ways. You can go to my website. So it's www.ecolovewellness.com. Yeah, and I'll pop I it in the show have, notes below. I do have a uh, a thing there where you can actually connect with me and um, book in a time just to have a chat. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best way just to sort of get an understanding of where you're at and if we would be the right fit for each other and if I can help you. Yeah. Um, so there is a button on my website for you to connect to my calendar. Yeah. Um, or you can also look me up on um, Instagram, which is Janet.testas, mm-hmm. or uh, on Facebook as well, Eco Love Wellness. Um, but I also have a Facebook group called Master Your uh, Hormones master your hormones to master your health Mm. and I do a lot of different stuff in there so for anyone that is really 
struggling with um, acne or any type of health condition actually and what what I said has resonated today, then that would be a really good place to go because there's a lot of really good um, free content in there that I've done. I've got a good library of stuff in there that it's always growing, I'm building. Yeah. But um, and then, you know, we can connect and um, you can get a bit more of a feel of what I'm about. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll pop all that information down below because I think honestly, like we've just scratched the surface today. Like there's just (laughs) so much information that is, you know, that goes with it. But yeah, this is honestly like for people listening, just like a brief synopsis of like half the things that I've learned from working with um, Janet. So yeah, if if her um, story, if the way she works resonates with you, I'll pop all of that below. Um, and if you have any questions, um, just chuck either of us a DM. But yeah, thank you yeah. so much for um, yeah. being on. It was such a... Um, such a great episode. I love chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Marissa. And also just to give you some credit, like it's been, I, this is the bit that I love the most. Yeah. Is seeing people's transformations and just watching you like grow and like you took it on, you really took took the work on and you went yeah. all in on yourself. Yeah. And that's what I love. And then being like, holy crap, this is amazing. And it worked. Big, big credit. <laughs> to you for the growth that I've seen in you and it's really been be- really beautiful to watch so oh thank, thank you so, so much for, for guiding me on that journey yeah. um yeah thank you but yeah guys I will um see you in the next episode thank you so much again